Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org lost. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Hey, everybody, Wizard and the Bruiser and Page 7 are going back on the road this summer. That's right. Release the Butthole Cut Tour returns. Where are we going, Jake? Oh, you can find us in Salt Lake City, Denver, Las Vegas, Portland, Tacoma, Oklahoma City, Kansas City, and St. Louis, Missouri. LastPodcastNetwork.com for tickets. Go to LastPodcastNetwork.com for Page 7 and Wizard and the Bruiser present Release the Butthole Cut Tour. Hello, it is I, your metalhead, Bruiser Holden McNeely, to play some songs for you. Very hard, very heavy. And it is I, your brutal lead singer, Bruiser. Also, C is for cookie. It's good enough for me. C is for cookie. It's good enough for me. God, I really, I don't got it in me. I just don't got it. (laughs) (laughs) And today we're doing Metalocalypse, and we've got Jordan back, and I'm so excited about it. Yeah. Welcome, Jordan. A.K.A. Guarcinio, A.K.A. the mind behind Two Minutes to Late Night. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm uh, happy to be the official uh, like Wizard and the Bruiser tour guide through the through the world <laughs> of angry guitar music. <laughs> what have we done? We've done Hot Topic. We've done Ghost, mm-hmm. and and now this is the the trilogy, I guess, with yep. Metalocalypse. Uh, and I'm so excited to do it. Metalocalypse. Let's get into Let's just sure. jump right in because I have way too many notes because we got the researcher cool. this time. Uh, <laughs> so so Metalocalypse uh, for me is something that's one of those things where I never did a deep dive. And that's why I love this show <laughs> because it forces me to sit down and go back and experience certain shows or games or whatever that maybe might, might have passed me by a little bit. I've always known it as, yeah, that's legitimately a phenomenal idea for a show <laughs> and kicks ass and is the most adult swim thing maybe ever, mm-hmm. I would say. I think just all told, if you like sit and watch a single episode of Metalocalypse, it has everything that Adult Swim does and does well. And then on top of that, metal culture is fascinating. Uh, they don't have, they up till now, you know, they've had some stuff, Headbangers Ball or something, but for the most part, not a lot, especially in the realm of comedy, especially in the realm of not just like take fully taking the piss out of metal yeah. and not <laughs> like giving it this, any respect. Yeah. Or, yeah. Wayne's World. We were basically, it was basically Wayne's right. World in terms of high profile 
I guess Spinal Tap as well. Yeah, you sure. Know, it's, but it was always from this like very uh, half reverent, but also half like piss taking. Yes. And I feel like definitely what made Metalocalypse different was the just total like reverence. The it's it's not that they're making fun of metal to the point where like they're just like shitting on the fans. They're heightening it so that the absurdities are all the more like appreciable. Yes, yeah. It was Spinal Tap. It was the Cannibal Corpse section of Ace Ventura. <laughs> yes. yes. It was Wayne's World. It was the Aqua Teen episode that had Danzig in it. And then it was Metal Aquas. And that's <laughs> and metal media. A whole ass show. And then just a whole ass <laughs> show that ran for many, many episodes and dug so much deeper. But the little trick of it that I came to find in doing the research is they actually didn't want to make fun of metal. They love metal. They wanted to use that as a vehicle to make fun of celebrity culture, yep. the Kardashians. The time mm-hmm. in which this show came out was a very interesting time in reality TV and celebrity culture in general because it was just it was when we started going look at these fucking idiots you know mm-hmm. uh, a, a whole decade before we started going maybe they have mental health problems so we need to actually respect that as well yeah <laughs> it's a fascinating thing because the way that they portray uh death clock as at once like inept baby like kind of like uh uh, and my favorite recurring joke is that they are constantly referred to as crillionaires. <laughs> uh, is yeah. they're making fun of like celebrity culture that can't do anything for themselves, but also at the time, you know, in the two thousands when this was, or twenty tens when this was like really reaching a fever pitch, the record store was kind of waning. The al- you know, the physical album was going the way of the dodo, and like uh, the, you know, musical acts that were even on the same scale. As, you know, uh, Madonna, uh, major bands like Metallica and Guns N' Roses, uh, you know, even all the way back to just the Beatles, which is constantly used as their like North Star of how popular a band could be, was like not as common as a phenomenon. So like they're playing with the idea of a rock star and just like having everything done for them by like legions of groupies and butlers and having squads of helicopters for them. I mean, hold it, you know, we just got back from a couple of tour dates and maybe the sentence, they really half-assed this crudite platter left my lips. <laughs> maybe that happened. You know, yeah. uh, the performing arts makes babies of everyone in a way. I th- Absolutely. Yeah, that that uh, woman you hired to lick your feet before every show was pretty upsetting, Jake. No, uh, first of all, first of all, she merely washed off the imported foot soap that I had ready for me at every show. It was more of a rinsing, but whatever. Also, I'm not just, the one on trial here. It, 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 it just happened to be a woman. When you when you use <laughs> yeah, yeah. Foot soak rabbit, when you try to hire it, just <laughs> whoever shows mm-hmm. up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, you know what it is? He when asked you get the for male a man. Foot guy, to, to be fair, he, he asked never for a gets man. the order right. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like Instacart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the the real important, you, you bring up, like, this is, this show is, uh, is uh as is beginning as record like physical media is kind of falling apart and you know a lot of uh the the music industry itself is is struggling with uh the the changes that it has to go through um i think this show is succeeding is kind of is kind of because it hits at a really bizarre apex of a lot of things it's just like a perfect amalgamation of different little things that make this show pop off because at this time in 2006 
This is where this is uh like warp tour asymmetrical hair girl pants uh like screamo music is at its height. It's at the mm-hmm. height. Um it's you know <laughs> a lot of pants. Yeah, yeah. It's it's <laughs> like the you see you see, it's the warp tour is being headlined by like a My Chemical Romance and also like an Under Oath, which is like a, they're a Christian metalcore band, but they're still like, we're Christians, but we love Converge. We think Converge is pretty sick. <laughs> and I feel like you are, what you're also seeing in that scene is heavier and heavier music starting to exist. You're, you're, uh, the lines between like a warp tour screamo band and an actual death metal band are becoming pretty blurred like uh yeah a die uh, for for those of you who actually listen to death metal listeners like a dying fetus and a bring me the horizon exist kind of at the same time and technically <laughs> they are both like death metal at this time they're defined yes the schrodinger's cat of metal we all know that yeah Yeah. (laughs) um so we are i i feel like you know the 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 world of popular guitar music is becoming heavier and also at this time is kind of the height of kid like teenagers watching adult swim it's the biggest era of adult swim and yeah, like Aqua Teen is going strong. It's because at the beginning, Adult Swim shows were struggling. Like the first Adult yeah. Swim show that uh, Brendan Small makes ends in like 2003 or something, 2004. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I was movies? a fan of home movies I, yeah. back during the UPN days. I loved so. <laughs> home movies. Home movies Love is home the movies, reason yeah. that I paid attention to, uh, I was hyped out the gate. For metal apocalypse, mm-hmm. like I loved metal stuff, but I trusted it because I knew home movies. I, that is still home movies is still my favorite Brendan Small thing. Yeah, it's, it's so, so funny. good, and I think it Coach is McGurk the, and everything. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the template for like actual narrative based Adult Swim shows, like not just mm-hmm. uh, like chaotic, uh, like <laughs> chaotic gentlemen that are high trying to fuck with each other <laughs> through animation. Right. Yes. <laughs> Very good descriptor of most adult swim content. Yeah. <laughs> and then so you have Metalocalypse uh, coming out right at that moment and you are so like you have an entire and you have an entire uh like the same people that are getting into like girl jeans death metal adjacent scene kid warp tour music are also all watching Aqua Teen and everything that's on Adult Swim. So you, it, it that show dropped, and immediately, immediately, everyone that I knew in my high school or whatever is talking about it. They're all, they all mm-hmm. fucking love it. And you were right, mm-hmm. Holden. It has everything that Adult Swim is was known for at the time. It, it incorporates all that humor, but it's like. Somehow a little bit, it's a little bit easier to digest than some of the weirder Adult Swim stuff. So very quickly, it does become, it feels like it becomes one of the biggest, uh, like, cartoons ever. And it single-handedly really pushes the actual 
heavy metal boom that is kind of just starting to die out in place of hardcore right now. Like, yeah, the funny years. thing for me, like doing research on this, when you, when you re- realize, oh, there was a time when metal was looked at as like really lame and Brendan Small had to like hide his his guitar playing at Berkeley from, you know, his peers because it was lo- they was so looked down upon. So we'd yep. go like literally into a literal closet to practice his, his like metal, his fucking, you know crazy just like uh uh metal playing and 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 also For the re- and of course we're talking about berkeley with two e's yes. in boston not berkeley with a y yeah, yeah in yeah. california and and then on top of that i don't know how important this was to you at the time jordan when you were first watching it but all of the playing and again we'll get more into the process of this is very accurate yes and and this is something that in pretty much all animation is not not found complete accuracy in terms of in terms of all of that stuff. You can literally it's it, I thought that that was so crazy. And here's the thing that also existed a little bit in home movies. Mm, um, that's right when they with show, their band and everything. Yeah, yeah. when there's sh- when a person is shredding, even with that. Low, le- like purposely low level. They don't animation. even have enough fingers. They don't even have enough <laughs> fingers. But the way that he runs on the scale of a of the guitar neck with no strings on it is pretty <laughs> accurate. It's crazy to see. I I love that. And 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 again, and I feel like you could actually. There's a whole like now trilogy of episodes you can put together as a listener. We've got the Adult Swim episode, we did the Bob's Burgers episode, mm-hmm. and now we've got the Metalocalypse episode. But Home Movies was Br- Brendan's, all that stuff mm-hmm. was Brendan's initial attempt to just like shove music into the comedy projects he yeah. was working on. And it's a really cool story. And I think my favorite takeaway is he figured it out. He fucking pulled a fucking magic trick <laughs> on everybody and managed to like take this thing he knew he couldn't get paid for on its own and slowly but surely, like, work it into his other thing he was getting paid for with his comedy work and animation work. Now he's on stage playing metal, selling out venues. I um, I really want to get a ticket to the Death Clock Baby Metal uh, tour coming. That looks fucking awesome. I've always wanted to see Baby Metal, too. So what a fun night. Yeah. What uh, a, what a, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Trojan horsing uh, musicianship into a comedy thing. That definitely only uh, that that. No one has taken inspiration to that on this show. <laughs> Absolutely. No, not, not a panel member here. I feel the same way, like doing a lot of comedy in New York, and now I can kind of get paid to play Elden Ring online. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's like, that's, I, you know, I was never going to get paid to just, just play video games, you know, but we figured it out. We, we, where there's a will, there's a way. And I also t- had a band, you know, in New York that was worked into the whole comedy scene. Right. So I also totally get that. Uh, and I'm trying to bring music actually back uh, in, into my life out here in LA, and it's always going to be well. Every hey, we always we know this one. Every comedian wants to be a musician. Every musician wants to be a comedian, and so the, the worlds marry really well, you know. And and I and you you can strike up really cool relationships with great musicians as a comic, and vice versa. Oh, 100. percent Every uh, some of the funniest people, more funny people I know are musicians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Com- it's comedians so when they're off stage, it's like, all right, well, this is a bummer. <laughs> Not that fun. Hanging out with a band when they're off stage, a hoot and holler, I tell you. <laughs> 
Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn that thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton, for the stay. All right, well, let's get into it. Uh, Metalocalypse is an animated television series created by Brendan Small and Tommy Blatcha for Adult Swim. Small seems to be the main dude on this joint, though, and plays all the music himself, and it ran from 2006 to 2013. 61 episodes, over four seasons, and a big special to cap it off, a big uh, rock opera, uh, to be more precise. And the series revolves around the death metal band Death Clock and their many adventures. And we'll get into why the show's not called Death Clock, and why Death Clock is spelled weird, not just and it's yep. not just a metal gimmick name spelling thing. It was a rights thing as well. All right, should we start with uh, the life of Brendan Small? Okay, uh, yeah, Brendan Small. Born and raised in Springfield, Illinois in 1975. We're, by the way, we've already talked so much about home movies, so we're not, we're going to kind of skip a little past uh, the more in depth home movie stuff because we've mm-hmm. covered it in both Adult Swim and Bob's Burgers. So uh, we will kind of uh, skip past that, but we'll talk a little bit more about his musical background. Um, and all that good stuff. He described childhood as, quote, like a Norman Rockwell upbringing. I really could skip over a creek, and if I woke up early enough, I could catch crawled ads. I could walk to a candy shop, spend a quarter on candy. It was really like I grew up in the 1950s. That is until until his uh, father moved the family to Salinas, California, which Small was a little less hot on. Small said, Salinas is like John Steinbeck. It's like oppressive. You will be betrayed by the end of the day. The kind of a world but it's uh, that kind of a world, but it smells like fertilizer. The whole place smells of shit. You know, <laughs> the whole place smells like they're trying to get us out of there in some way. And that's what I, uh, where I sat and learned how to play guitar and got into comedy. Because Lord knows you kind of have to hate your surroundings to stay at home all day and just get really, really nerdy on some music and comedy shit. Yep. Though he would make up songs on a keyboard he got when he was just eight years old. He started playing guitar at the age of 14. And this is close to my heart as well. It's because of a buddy he met in the neighborhood. He said, I met a friend after moving when I was about 14 years old, and in like one afternoon he introduced me to Slayer, King Diamond, Ingwe, <sighs> uh, Blue Oyster Cult, and all these bands I'd never heard of. <laughs> Let's just say it was a crash course in metal and all things that would consume my musical life in the future. And on that same day, he had a Kramer Super Strat style guitar, and he showed me two things, and by the end of the day I was playing them. One was like a blues shuffle, and the other was Iron Man, and pretty much from that point on, I always thought that this was what I was going to do. Wow. And mine was Come As You Are and When I Come Around. Uh, those are my two, I think, that I that I was taught in that first sitting with the music buddy. Oh, that's weird. Uh, when I was five, my pediatrician uh, sat me down and was like, listen, the, your finger's too chubby. Finger too chubby. No music. No music for you. 
and, and I was just put like, that loaded gun on the table. Yeah, I remember that story. <laughs> Incredible. That's maybe, a great song. maybe do maybe do uh, <laughs> put the gun on the yeah. table. <laughs> um. A pivotal moment came at the age of 15 when he entered a guitar competition. I love this story so much. They got him playing guitar all day and night for two straight weeks just to not realize how crazy it would be to play on stage in front of a crowd. And it turned into, quote, the worst day of my life up to that (laughs) point. Small said, it's the profound moment in my creative life. I went home that night and I looked at my guitar. I looked at my hands and I'm like, what happened out there? What the fuck? How did did we let that happen? And I just basically said to myself i can't let that happen again i know i can play guitar better than that super villain origin story right that's so uh (laughs) that's so beautiful because it's i know we're done with home movies but it's very it's it's fun to know like i think my favorite home movies episode is guitar mageddon where it is a guitar contest with Dwayne, and that is all i i feel like you can feel his (laughs) is so much of him is poured into that episode because of fucking up on stage. But that's the turning point in every creative's life too. There's some people that go up and do that and never look at a guitar again. And there's some people who go up and do that and have that moment of truth where they go, I'm going to fucking make, never make this mistake again and become like a guitar God. And there's no in between. I feel like I'm the in between because I definitely had. (laughs) And I, um, what was your moment? What was your, what was it? My first, uh, I remember my, my, my first ever band. Um, I, uh, I was in, in my little hometown. I was like the only metal kid, and I was like trying. I would join bands that were just like, you know, gonna play the Ernie Ball stage for Warp Tour, and I'm like, all right, here we go, kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> playing live for the first time was crazy because my uh, singer at the time was really self conscious and wouldn't let us like me and the other two members hear him sing at all whoa which was crazy so like i had like written songs and he had like heard me play them in the room with it with the other guys and then he kind of just never did anything (laughs) so he signed us up for a battle of the bands i am like 14 years old so i don't know any better i don't i've never been in a band before I don't know what the process is like. And I'm like, he might be a genius. He might like, we might go out there and it'll be incredible. Um, but I go out there and um, we get, we, we take the stage at like a nice theater in Colorado. It's the Ogden theater. Um, and I can, I've never felt more anxiety in my entire life. Um, me and the, uh, me and the, the bassist and the drummer had not rehearsed enough. Like we were all very unprepared. I, uh, (laughs) I hit my distortion pedal. It shorts out. I play the entire set with a stiff hand and no gain on the guitar. It's just clean the whole time. We play the whole thing. And my friend (laughs) is, uh, uh, the singer is screaming into the mic <laughs> and I w- we did that for 15 minutes and I've wow. never uh I I was like wow it can't get worse than that so <laughs> um 
I I have a battle of the bands as well story, but it wasn't as bad as that. But I will just say our drummer got really excited to be playing a live show for the first right. time and um, played every song. We we were at three times speed, I think, yeah. from normal. Oh, and I'm literally trying to do "Suck My Kiss" by Red Hot Chili Peppers. By the way, so could have been dead. I was just like so insane. Um, were you si- you were singing? Yes, I was the singer. <laughs> and my other story with that that I that was kind of funny was I I decided I would show up at every show in like in a bow tie and a suit jacket and like khaki pants like looking nerdy as shit and then just like rock out until my friend yeah. and my buddies were like, "Hey man, you got to stop doing the bow tie <laughs> thing. Like, just dress normal." And I was like, "What? That was my thing." Anyway, Holden, you keep trying to pitch yourself as the gentleman clown of Blank, and it's never worked out for you. Of uh, slap bass? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you're covering Red Hot Chili Peppers, that means that your bassist had five strings mm-hmm. and he played with his thumb. <laughs> yeah, um, totally. But yeah, I kind of, oh, just from my, I kind of like, I haven't done anything really. Like this show, count like two minutes counts as like a musical journey, but I'm in no way like a guitar wizard or whatever, like I, I that show happened to me, and I was like, I still like music, but I might not ever play it again. <laughs> and there was a huge gap where I didn't. Yeah, so, don't undersell yeah. yourself, Jordan. I've seen some of those collabs you've done, and you know you're definitely at least a guitar paladin. Yeah, <laughs> what what I you know, it, we 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 make it happen. I can uh, I can I can do a scale or two. Yeah, it's all right. That's the spirit. Yeah. So Small decides to do a scale or two as well. He decides to get good. And to do that, he started recording his playing over a metronome with no effects and listening back to iron out the mistakes. Small said, there's an innate discipline that comes with music. You realize that if you put in the hours, you get the results. The only time I developed discipline is when I was studying something that I took very seriously and I applied that discipline to everything else. So after high school, Small goes to Berkeley's School of uh, College of Music in Boston, as you said, uh, and graduates in 97. While there, he discovered that the music he was listening to and playing, namely metal, was not cool. So this is the this is the point where he's literally in his closet in his dorm room, sneaking in uh, some shredding in between, like whatever highfalutin. I'm guessing, like I don't even know Jazz. what it is at that mm-hmm. time. Like alternative or indie, I guess people were really into it at college at that point. Uh, so. After college, Brendan Small gets an internship at two jingle houses. And this is, I think, this the huge thing that sets him up for Adult Swim. These are studios that just pump out jingles for commercials. Constant, quick turnaround. Small mm-hmm. said, so what I learned about all those super talented jingle writers, they had two hours to turn a demo around, like half a day or something like that. And they had to do it quickly. I was noticing, oh, how do they do it? Oh, this guy uses these chords all the time. This guy uses these chords. This guy's really good because he understands his keyboard and can get all these different sounds. Okay, those are all good tricks to have. And he starts, uh, while while this is going on, he starts honing some comedy chops at the job as well, like incorporating comedy into the music. And this is how we learned later is how he was able to throw a song into every single episode. And that is one of the big hallmarks of Metalopocalypse. Every single episode has a new song uh, written by Small which is incredible because if you think about like their shorter episodes and way more of them. So we're not talking about like 10, 20 minute episodes. We're talking fucking 22 episodes a season or whatever it is. It's a fascinating uh, yeah. uh, moment for him because at once he is like getting uh, insight into 
how you kind of just get the job done. You don't overthink things. You like, you know, use your tool set as best you can. But also he's learning like kind of the dark side of a career in music, which is for a lot of uh, professional musicians, music is the product. Music is a service. Music is just something that is asked for on, 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 you know, on a delivery basis. And seeing these people who just like, you know, have the same uh, uh, joie de vivre for music that like, you know, an accountant would have for spreadsheets. Right. And so at once he's like, you know, it's he's interested in seeing how professionals can turn stuff around. But also he's horrified at, you know, this thing that he finds so profoundly joyous being just such a joyless operation, such a rote robotic job in of itself. So like turns him away from a career as like maybe a session musician or, you know, whatever, maybe just like doing soundtracks for TV production or whatever else he might've ended up doing with his music degree. And it's not just the nature of the work. It's actually also his social group as well. Cause the musicians at Berkeley are just so focused on their instrument. They're just not fun to hang out with. And he ends up hanging out instead with a social group at Emerson college who were communication students doing film production. He starts doing music for their projects, which led to acting in those projects and then writing for those projects. And then he realized, wait, this is what I actually want to do. And uh, this is enforced by the fact that he has a roommate who starts interning at Conan O'Brien's Late Show. And he's just fascinated by what's going on in this guy's life. He's just like, this guy's coming in telling him about all these different fun, like crazy props he has to find and all these sketches he's doing. And he's just like, that sounds like the way I want, the direction I want to go in my career. So. So Brendan starts taking comedy classes. He starts doing stand-up, and very lucky for him, this is like kind of unbelievable. He happens to have a good set one night in front of Lauren Bouchard, Mm -hmm. who was working on a show called Dr. Katz at the time. And Lauren wanted to work with Brendan, so they made a show called... Home Movies, which first ran on UPN in 1999. However, it gets canceled. And then, uh, as legend has it, picked up by Adult Swim. And that is how Small establishes a relationship with Adult Swim. Uh, And that small story up to this point. Now we got to bring in Tommy Blatcha. That's how you pronounce it, right? Real quick. Yeah. I also, uh, I just, you talking about the part uh, where he practiced, like, to a metronome with a clean guitar and was ironing out Kings. Like I've never done that. That's why I'm just, (laughs) I've never done that shit. It's Uh, that part. It's that nerdy part. And I'm in the same, well, not, I'm in an even looser boat than you are. I literally like, I started writing songs for this musical comedy musical that I want to put out. And I had to finally find, I had to find the guy. I was like, I've got the music in here, man. And I (laughs) can like sing it to you. And then you'll put, you know, and that's been my musical life for in every band I've been in. Like I, I, I come, I come up with the melodies and the, all that kind of stuff. And then, and then I get someone who's actually sat down and like learned how to play an instrument. If it makes you feel better to this day, Brendan Smalls does not know how to read music notation. Yes. This is true. And there's a uh, recurring joke within uh, Metalocalypse. It sure is. It is insane that you like going you, you going to Berkeley, but and but not knowing how to do that or not leaving with the ability to do that. Right. But then again, I left film school only learning like okay, well I shouldn't 
I guess like I shouldn't cry like that kid when the <laughs> when the professor's like, how can we fix this film? I learned like, okay, crying, not great. Don't do that. Something about the rule of 180 and that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, I, I should have left with way more knowledge and uh, I should have left with the like terminology, but I kind of didn't. In fact, in my classes, like I would be, I, I would get hot about kids getting mad at me for not using the proper wordage <laughs> for stuff. I was I would be like, "Hey, like Terry, can I get a can I get a clothespin?" Uh and he's like, "Um, it's called like a C478." Mm. I was like, "Fuck off. We're not trying to lie to a production company. We're in school. <laughs> Give me a clothespin." <laughs> hey, uh I think for this shot we should do one of those like uh squiggly diagonalies and you're like, "Do you mean a Dutch angle?" You're like, "Ah, you know what I meant." A squiggly <laughs> diagonally. Yeah, yeah 100%. <laughs> So Tommy Blatcha, born in 1962 in Detroit, Michigan, he gets his sense of humor from his mother, who sounds like a very silly lady. Blatcha said she used to do weird things like she had false teeth from an accident and would look at me and just let her teeth drop out. Goofy (laughs) shit like that. And just like open farting sometimes just because she knew it had bugged me. Uh, His father had a more stern demeanor, but a dark sense of humor that would come out here and there and combine to kind of creates what you get with Metalocalypse. Blatcha enlisted in the U.S. Army and uh, later went to Wayne State University and Columbia College. His college roommate was Andy Richter, which is how he got his start in comedy. Could I have gotten a fucking roommate who worked at Conan? (laughs) No? Nobody? Unbelievable. Both people just happen to get roommates with jobs at Conan. Here's the thing. Everyone at that time who's like now a comedian, they were roommates with a Conan uh, adjacent (laughs) person. Everyone from that era... Oh, so they're all funny. like Conan. I didn't even. Gr- I grew up with like watching Conan clips on YouTube, so like yeah. I wasn't even old enough to have a roommate that could have worked on Conan. Oh my god! And I grew up at trying to stay up to watch Conan and yes. like failing most nights. That was my my uh, situation there. You pass but, out um, during Letterman, and it would be a yeah. bummer. Yeah, and you'd wake up like see one really funny bit, and then um, go to bed. But yep. uh, yeah, Holden, why don't you have a friend who's famous at all? That's bullshit. At Columbia, he tries to make an independent film, which ends up falling apart. And in this low moment, he had just recently applied to write for Conan, and he gets the call, and he gets in as the first wave of writers on The Late Show. He had applied sometime before uh, before via Richter. He was a concept guy on the staff. He came up with the character with characters such as Gaseous Wiener and Pimpbot Five Thousand. And Blotcha was so, also. I'm sorry, I just have to salute his his, and I have to honor <laughs> someone who contributed something so profound to a million elder millennial sense of humor as. What if a robot <laughs> talked like a 1970s exploitation <laughs> film? <pimp? laughs> BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
we've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn that thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton, for the stay. Blatchett was also a big fan of professional wrestling and managed to get wrestlers onto Conan, which is how he ends up striking up a relationship with Vince McMahon, whom he was able to make laugh. And so McMahon hired him as a consultant, then later as a major writer for WWE. So he does a lot of writing work in the mid-aughts besides just WWE. He does stuff like TV Funhouse, The Ali G Show, The Orlando Jones Show. And it's also around this time that he befriends Brendan Small because the two love to go to metal shows shows together they are especially big fans of the let's bring them on and we already mentioned them briefly before uh as uh from ace ventura uh they're huge fans of cannibal corpse and the band's lead singer george corpse grinder fisher and they start just like coming up with like comedy bits just from going to all these shows and getting into the culture uh, what what do you got to say about Cannibal Corpse, Jordan? I mean, where, where, where really to begin? stick your neck out for this band? Your <laughs> well, thick, uh, neck, possibly large yeah. neck. <laughs> I was gonna say neck is a big part of it. Um, I th- Cannibal Corpse is one of those bands where I think they're the biggest. They they will be the biggest metal band of all time. That maybe. That everyone knows, but like probably not a lot of people have actually listened to. <laughs> yeah, everybody knows the name, right? Because I definitely like... didn't just very like five minutes before we jumped on the call, just be like, uh, 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 hammer smash face. Oh, weird. It sounds kind of like Death Clock. And then just like, <laughs> jumped into that. Yeah. Cannibal Corpse, uh, is they're like, they're, they're like one of the, they're the first known death metal band and thus they're like kind of godfathers of the genre and everything they um i feel like they are also a band who has like they've never steered too far from their sound and they have just been consistently at their at their fame level and at their beloved level mm, yeah like they are they are like they can barely like they're exhausted <laughs> as gentlemen they've been doing it for decades and they still go out there they do their their hair spins people fucking murder each other in the <laughs> audience every time and it's every time i've seen them i'm like they gotta be it's gotta be running out of gas a little bit <laughs> but i'm like god it's still fucking awesome it's uh, they're <laughs> They're great, and I think it's they're a band that I think if you turn on initially and listen to like you listen to just like a little bit of Hammer Smash Face, and you're like, yeah, this is probably what it all sounds like. But if you spend enough time with them, you realize there's a lot of actual variety and dynamics to their music. Um, I think most people think that it that all of their songs sound like the first twenty seconds of Hammer Smash Face, <laughs> but then if you um, if you go deeper into the catalog, you'll find a lot of like really cool, dynamic, well-composed stuff. Not to say that Hammer Smash Face isn't well-composed, but <laughs> it's just, I think that that's like what my mom thinks that mm-hmm. death metal sounds like. Because it does. Right. 
<laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. I think that's that's kind of thing you always say about metal in general. A lot of ways too is like a lot of people just like from the outside to, to, do think it's like all the kind of the, the same same ish, and and there's so much uh, dynamic stuff going on. Yeah, uh, and that's course. why I I think when you look at like everyone thinks it's the the Ace most people are the Ace Ventura scene from <laughs> right uh, Pet Detective. Right. It's just uh, everyone's like, oh, they headbang. <laughs> it looks like they're nodding, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so Small writes all the music stuff for home movies like we were talking about before. And more metal and rock influences begin to creep into the episodes. Here's Franz Kafka. <laughs> Franz yep. Kafka. And- and then Small becomes the go-to dude at Adult Swim for music stuff and shows. And this is all from that jingle job gig that he had. He's right. able to just like turn around really fast, really good music bits for, for different uh, shows on Adult Swim. And meanwhile, Small and Blacha are become, uh, become members of a sketch show called The Dumb Dildo Show. <laughs> with, the co- <laughs> with the gods just giving me flashbacks of my time in New York doing sketch comedy. With the concept being that they would write and produce sketches in three hours and for this this show, the two write and perform sketches based in metal. Blotch has said, we used to do this thing because we loved me- a death metal and specifically loved Cannibal Corpse. We used to do this bit that was like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross or different uh, or different plays starring George Corpse, Grinder <laughs> Fisher, the lead singer from Cannibal Corpse. And we'd have a wig and have a microphone. So Small would play the other Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross part. We would do some different plays where I would just do the guttural, uh, 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 and he imitates George Fisher there, uh, the guttural thing, and people liked it. So again, just Literally, the contrast of... Uh, putting metal people into like high theater and stuff like that. So when they say like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, it's just like, what's your name? Fuck you. That's your name. <laughs> yeah. That's, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah, that was great. Actually, yeah. I'm sure it was totally like that. And then, and then he would play. Ball. <laughs> You yeah. see this watch. <laughs> <laughs> and then everybody else would be like, in contrast, just completely like normal characters in the play. Um, this lines up great with creative head Mike Lazo. Let's bring him on in uh, at Adult Swim, letting Small know that he's down for any pitches he's got. Small, just at the perfect place, perfect time. So Small pitches him on a show about an extreme metal band. Quote, and I'm not sure I'm interested in having anyone understanding anything anyone is saying on the show. And Lazo greenlights it on the spot. Uh, Blatchett tells it a little differently, says the two of them pitched the show at a Louisiana seafood boil, whatever. Either way, he says, Give me, put something together for me. And in coming up with the rest, they brainstormed and uh, they loved the thought of, quote, what if Cannibal Corpse were like a thousand times bigger than the Beatles, which becomes the show's logline. And it's always a smart approach, right? Like, let's take this niche thing in music or anything and blow it up and make it like the world's you know most popular thing it's it's and then you can do so much with that so uh that's how they get to the idea what are your of other favorite things that are like that um i was thinking like i I was thinking in my head like other pitches i would do i'm really into drag race so what if the world was just at, what if the whole world was like as into drag race as like the niche community that loves drag? I'm trying to think of something else, but there's I, I, I know there's stuff out there that was about like uh, this world where uh, fandoms are just like as dominant as anything else could be. Like E3 is like the whole is like the 
choosing of a new pope. Right. There's like roving bands of like furries everywhere. There's like anime villains. Like just the, what if like YouTube was reality in a way? Yeah, yeah. Comic Con is has is corporations yeah, yeah. is capitalism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like it's like a great pocket pitch to have. Take the thing you really love that no one gives a shit about and and just apply it and just say, what if this was the big what? If- Ooh, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you need um, me to produce hours of content on something? Well, sucks for you, but it's about a bunch of weird niche shit. Yeah. So then with with that thought experiment. That's how they get to the idea that if this were so, the government would either need to work with them or kill them due to their uh, influence on the world, right? And this led to the second big concept point of the show, which we mentioned briefly before. What if the Kardashians were a metal band, which gave them a way to make fun of celebrity culture, which Small hated? And I think a lot of us hated it at at that time, Mm -hmm. like Paris Hilton and the Kardashians and all this, like, just really, like, playing up, like, look how rich and stupid these people are. Aren't they so entertaining to watch? And a lot of people were like... No, we hate that. And we think it's making the world like a stupider place to live in. And uh, those is kind of an interesting time culturally with all that shit. So especially, yeah. well, I think I feel like a lot of metal people were introduced to reality television for the first time because of the Oz. Mm. Oh, yes. You yes. have the most famous metal singer on the planet. He like. Whether he's the best metal singer or mm-hmm. whatever is irrelevant. He is the most famous one. He's just the icon, yeah. The icon of the entire genre, and he has a little reality show mm-hmm. about how he can't do a lot of stuff, and it's really sad. <laughs> it's sad, <laughs> but people are, yeah, he has a show where people laugh at him. It feels... Yes, it made. I think it, it made so many musicians upset, and that's what kind of <laughs> harkening see. back to what Small wanted to do the opposite of with Metalocalypse was like uh, every time it's used, it, it, especially lately, it's uh, it's taking the piss out of it or like shitting on it, mm-hmm. and he wanted to be the and to the point where a lot of the cameos he got. We're like, we usually don't do this because usually it's in bad faith, but you guys know what you're doing and you respect the culture. So they got all the like real deal people to like come in and do voices and stuff in the show. Totally, But it's also like, it's, it really, it just heightens the comedy of like, can you like the idea that, you know, yeah, Cannibal Corpse or like Ghost or just any one of these bands like making a sandwich for themselves. Like it just it almost because they live these entirely character based personas Mm -hmm. like the mundanity uh, juxtaposed with everything is just it's just innately funny. (laughs) The best. It's so that the contrast between the two is absolutely (laughs) what makes like the, the thing that people remember most from the show I feel like people, you, they couldn't tell you any of the actual descriptive violence that happens in the mm-hmm. show or what happens in the show. Like, yeah, they play a thing and then everyone gets crushed mm-hmm. by a big shark mm-hmm. that also has a, a, a like a laser and they get crushed by an Austin Powers bit. <laughs> um, but everyone remembers like a grandpa's guitar. <laughs> everyone remembers uh, the grocery shopping a scene. Like, and every. <laughs> food libraries. Everyone remembers food libraries. And that is the that is the key. And that's why I uh, the key is them loving and having the reverence for for metal and respecting it like metal itself is not the butt of the joke. Mm, yeah. Like Brendan is so good at actually writing 
compelling heavy metal songs, even with silly lyrics, that I think it help it does actually help convert the audience watching it to want to participate in metal. It's I th- I think that the boom of of heavy metal that we experienced, like the reason that there was many years where it was a very viable genre. And one of the biggest uh, like subcultures for actual decades is because of this show. Yeah. It helped. I know so many people who got into metal for the first, like any of it, like Metallica, because of this show. Oh, I saw friends that like had no connection with metal, but like when someone busted out Guitar Hero, they like at least would gravitate. Would they play Thunder yeah, Horse? Exactly. Yeah. It's so, it's, it's really. It's really special to have been like a fan of the genre and seeing it like I think that that's how the actual musicians that they were parodying felt like watching them act, watching a show that actually like gets it. And even though it's all heightened, like there's still mo- there's moments when you watch that show, like the the final episode of the first season where they do the performance of like go into the mm-hmm. water like it's funny but you there's a there is a part of you that's watching it going fuck yeah, yeah. <laughs> like this is fucking sick so small then realizes before even writing an episode or defining characters or anything he had to figure out what the band sounds like small said so what i did was i wrote the theme song I thought that was the more important thing to me, which I, I, I great, right? Lead with the music. I feel like that's always kind of the thing with yep. this project. Uh, what the band sounded like. I wrote the theme song and I was like, okay, this has these elements of Queen and a little bit of black metal with these crazy guitar riffs. That was a bigger challenge to find a grandiose kind of epic, kind of silly song to play the theme song. That's what the show is about. That's going to be the, a fun show to watch. So that's what I did. So the so he does the song. They put together like a concept package. The series gets an initial 20-episode order. And Small says, as far as I'm concerned, the way that I tried to pitch this show to the network was that it'd be like a big, stupid Disneyland ride, but with murder. <laughs> and he was very, very, like to the point where he was going to Disneyland a lot and like taking influence just from his different experiences for the flow of right. an episode. You I know? mean, it's when you only have 11 minutes, it kind yeah. of makes sense that you just have to set up like, here's the status quo up. Oh, this might be a problem. Oh no, there's a problem. Yep. Like, yeah, yeah, it actually makes a ton of sense. Uh, you mentioned the theme song and I just, uh, I just have to acknowledge doodly do gate because uh, <laughs> if I still, nobody knows why this happened in the season two DVDs, the closed captioning, Listed the opening lyric as do anything for TikTok. I'm, I'm sorry, TikTok. Jesus. My brain is actively <laughs> decaying. Jake, with your dances that you yeah. perform for TikTok. Do anything for <laughs> Death Clock. Do anything. Do every do anything for Death Clock. But every other uh closed captioning makes it doodly do, doodly do, doodly do, which uh leans in more heavily. Is a lyric. Yeah. It is a lyric <laughs> in the song. Literally, there he's like, d- he's naming the band. Oh members. yeah, pickles the drummer doodly do. <laughs> yeah, pickles ding dong doodly do. <laughs> like there is a ding dong doodly do, but the the <laughs> captions get all fucked <laughs> up because there's actual nonsense. <laughs> I mean, I've all, I think the, so the, good. Uh, the amount of confidence to put down Toki Wartooth, not a bumblebee. 
is is the, the yeah. balls, the sheer balls. <laughs> I that that is honestly I've written countless uh like scripts about like narrative stuff about a fake band is so hard. The everybody Everything that involves a fake band, the hardest thing to do is make the music of it because what you're doing initially is you're inviting people to judge the art that is being made by the band and that can conflict. Like mm-hmm. the audience's opinion of the music can affect the narrative because your narrative Mm -hmm. has its own opinion of what the band sounds like and how they perform. So for him to, this is is the most successful version of a narrative band that I've ever seen. I think even more so than Spinal Tap because this, People really got into no one got the fuck into Black Sabbath from watching Spinal Tap. They were like, ah, it's a silly mm-hmm. band. They wrote a song about butts. Like, it's to actually write such like compelling, silly music that people genuinely get into the real thing is really hard. There's not, there's no nothing inauthentic. All of it is really talented. It is genuinely really heavy. The vocals sound good. It's crazy. Yeah, it's not like a Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip where every episode is about like the worst comedy ever written and having all the characters be like, this is so funny. We're changing the world. You did it. You <laughs> yeah. wrote the funniest thing. <laughs> you can't. Yeah, that's it is true. Writing of uh, a, a thing about a fake artist and that that you have to then develop what their mm-hmm, art is. Yeah. That's so hard to do, and it can tank. It can fucking tank the thing that you're working on. So it's a testament to Brendan Small who hadn't hadn't done this before. To that he wrote such actually good metal music that actually Gene Hoagland <laughs> from Death. It's the play drums yeah. on the music. The atomic clock himself. Again, the, it's is. the magic trick that allowed him to have a career in metal just by like, like was so smart. And I think it really was though, for any metalhead, I feel like that fear of the judgment from the community was so strong uh-huh. and so powerful that he knew how responsible he was. If that music was not not well received by specifically, me- I mean, you know that the metalheads were in his, in the front of his mind when he wrote that shit. Not like people outside, you know. And I think that that forced his standard to be so high. Uh, it's got to be such a weird position to be in to have that much power to get to put be the like the first guy to really put like so, like it's at least specifically death metal up on, you know, television. It's got to be so it's yep. got to be crazy, you know. So again, that that discipline he worked up from from childhood definitely came into play. Um I wanted to talk about the naming conventions cuz this is a little odd. The show's called Death Clock or I mean, the show's called Metalocalypse. The band's called Death Clock. Uh, the theme song uh, is 
about Death Clock. Yeah. Small said, Tommy and I had written down a whole bunch of names on paper, and I think that Tommy had written down Death Clock. I saw it and just thought, that's cool. Two syllables. You can chant it. It's great. There's so many metal bands out there with these big, long sentence names, and it's hard to chant. However, they and, and you even get the, yeah, and the theme's like, Death Clock, Death Clock. Like They, they really hammer that home. However, they couldn't name it that because of deathclock.com, which still exists and is old and weird. Yeah. And I was afraid to put my information into it, but it is definitely there. It is a website that um, you put just different information in, and it tells you when it thinks you're going to die. Um, and yeah. <laughs> it's very bizarre, and it's say that that's why they couldn't use the name, because it's, it looks like a GeoCities website. Well, the next step Dude, of this, I think, is even weirder. Yeah. Well, even the next step, here's the the fact that this that this that's such a time and place yeah. uh, lawsuit because if that type of thing still existed today, right. which it, it I feel like it it has died out with 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 ghost being able to go fuck you were ghost again mm-hmm. like uh-huh. uh, like um, I feel like that has started a trend like there are so many bands that clearly are not the first band to be named that thing mm-hmm. that have like there a band would just come out and go like, what's up? We're knife. <laughs> and then it's like, there are seven other bands called knife and like, fuck you. <laughs> We're the famous one though. And like, you can't, it just, it, no one names thing. No one's worried about that shit anymore. It's great. There's like always like, which, like uh, which tornado are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. And then even crazier, you're right. This is way crazier. So they changed the, the spelling to the spelling of, you know, Death Clock that we now know it as. However, it is brought to their attention that there's a Marvel character named Death Lock. Yep. And the higher ups are worried about lawsuits. Producer I've John- always hated this character. He's just some like zombie man with a cyber face and that a gun. That they still have not used in yeah, the he MCU. Was like, oh. like it's not, it's just completely not a thing. So uh, director John Schnepp said, uh, then Brendan and Tommy just came up with a million different names for the show. Project Metal. There were so many different names. I think Mac- Mike Lazo said, call it this. And it was basically Project Metal, a metal journey. Metalocalypse, Death Clock. It was some incredibly super long name. And that's what the show was called for about a month. Then we just decided to call it Metalocalypse because everyone would know it was about the band. So originally Metalocalypse was just a dumb name that came from riffing. Metal Story, Project Metal, on and on. Small compares the band dynamic, uh, uh, moving past the name, uh, Small compares the band dynamic to the Brady Bunch and speaks about how it is a family band show with that dynamic. And it even says, and this is so true, it's like at the end of the day, every TV show is about family. Like, when you get down to it. Small wanted two guitarists as well and was inspired by Brian May from Queen and that band's guitar harmonies. The second time Queen's come up, by the way, which is, I think, how we get to a rock opera to close the whole thing out, which we'll get to later. Nathan explains explosion is heavily inspired by george fisher of course from cannibal corpse of course uh and uh then you have the guitarists uh squiscar uh squigglef and toki squigglef and uh toki wartooth small said i figured if i had one guitarist who we would call the fastest guitarist alive even though he's not there was are much faster guitar players than me playing really fast but we thought wouldn't it be funny if the other guy was the second fastest (laughs) guitarist then i thought uh you know you've got uh Sweden and Norway and so you know that would be a great time because of course uh Norway and Sweden are rivals the sibling uh, dynamic between Toki and 
uh, Swiss car. I always found super funny. It's just it's yeah, so good. It's great. You've and then you've got William Murderface, uh, the bassist. Uh, Small said the bass player back when I started listening to metal. You, I love this. You could never hear it in the late eighties, early nineties. So I thought that's got to tell us a lot about this guy's character is that he can't be heard. So he's got to overcompensate with with his personality. Constantly <laughs> prove that he exists by being this annoying asshole. So that's where Murderface started making sense. This self-loathing kind of individual, which is one of the most fun characters to write for because he's just full of more contradictions than anybody else, I, which is so good. Nice. So, <laughs> well, then why don't I just kill myself? <laughs> like just, just every best. line of his just so God, I love shitting up. It's so funny. The, the bassist thing in bands is so funny. <laughs> that dynamic is just hilarious. How it always kind of settles out like that. You know what I mean? There's a great, uh, I think it's Death Residuals, where uh, Toki, the rhythm guitarist, and Murderface, the bassist, quit. And they are like, (laughs) and and just like, they record an album without them in record time, but they're like, it sounds like we're too happy. It sounds like we're having too good of a time. It's not brutal. (laughs) Um, And then, of course, you have Pickles. Are you there? What yeah. happened to you, Jake? There you are. Uh, yeah, where'd you I go? <laughs> blurped out for a second. Who knows? Who knows? He got lost in Cyberland. <laughs> uh, were you about to say something else about William, William Murderface, or are we moving oh, on no, to Pickles? Oh, no, I just also the story about uh, how t- they had a different voice for him initially, and then Blotcha, out of nowhere, did this weird thing where he stuffed paper towels into his mouth, and like as they yes. absorbed spit, it created that iconic wet mouth sound that we associated with the character. He eventually learned how to do the voice without it, which uh, under an interview, they admit it was getting really gross before. He yeah, that, that point. sounds awful that I, I was yep. I, I was reading about the two and it was just horrible that, that he did that for a while because that's so nasty. Yeah, I wonder what trick he used to like recreate it. It's so funny, dude. I wonder what trick they used. <laughs> you show your liquor! such a protective voice. So, it's so good. One other major player. Oh, oh yeah. Just Pickles the drummer. Obviously, it's just the joke. Cool metal name. Cool metal name. Mm-hmm. Cool metal name. Cool metal name. And then Pickles. That was just, that was the idea there. And it's so great. Um, uh, so for the art, the uh, one other major player here that we've now mentioned uh, just a couple times, John Schnepp, had a couple quotes from him. He was brought on the project pretty early. He and Tommy Blatcher were college roommates and friends back in the day, and they had kept in touch. Schnepp was also a metal fan and did the initial designs for a proof of concept pitch. Schnepp said, they all came from my head. George Fisher was the inspiration for the bulk look of the body of Nathan Explosion. There are a bunch of photos I had uh, that I was looking at and all of the death metal bands seemed to have long black hair and others shared uh, idiosyncrasies. Basically, I figured the lead singer should have black hair. Obviously, the lead guitarist was Swedish with blonde hair. Pickles would be a redhead, and then the other two had brown hair, except Toki's was much lighter. And Murderface was designed with the idea that no matter how hard he tried to grow his hair out, he just couldn't get it past that really awkward phase (laughs) that was like right down, you know, that... (laughs) And his look is so ridiculous, too. It's such a funny idea. I just love the idea that he's trying so hard to grow it longer, and it just won't go surpass, like, chin length. Um, I empathize. (laughs) That was me. It was me. Um, Pickles changed a lot from the initial design. This is actually because he was initially looked, uh, look up Devin Townsend uh, from the band Strapping Young Lad. (laughs) Uh, It was initially based on him. 
apparently, this is so crazy. Apparently, after like a couple of episodes, Townsend's people called uh, called them up, asking them to change it, the look, to not be based off him. And so that's how we get that dreadlock comb over thing that Pickles now has, which is weird because Devin Townsend would later lend vo- uh, his voice to the show. So I guess he wasn't too upset yeah. about it. I'm not really sure what happened. Maybe they just initially didn't realize like how cool the project was. Mm. I'm not really sure, but um, but the band uh, as a whole was had a more realistic design, and that was actually because Small was very insistent. Uh, a, a, a he wanted to like be the op. He just wanted to really distance himself from home movies. Uh, I guess I think he had it in his head uh, a big complex because the the show was canceled twice. Right. Um, but uh, also because he knew from the beginning he wanted that guitar playing to look as accurate as possible. So he knew he needed like the most realistic look he could get for the show. Let's talk about writing. You want to get into the writing process? Adult Swim. Yeah. Let's get, well, real quick, uh, just a shout out to John Schnepp. Because, uh, yeah, the character, yes. des- like, the character designs look incredible. He's a very, he he's like the director of the show. I, he's He's really what I think pull he makes all of the ideas really come to life because these are fucking crazy yes everything that's coming out of tommy and brendan's head is so insane and i think uh john specifically also rest in peace by the way he's he's not with us anymore but he's extremely inquisitive and like his version of deep diving and getting into stuff is pretty unbelievable and it's kind of what makes a lot of the show work and if you are if if audience members are nerds like uh which i'm assuming they are if they're, they're listening to like a deep dive on stuff he made an incredible documentary about the tim burton superman movie that never came out with nicholas oh, hell yeah it's it is crowdfunded it's on a website. It's called The Death of Superman Lives. It's not on anything else. You can just, you have to buy it digitally and then you download like an MP4. But it is genuinely worth your time. It's fucking fascinating. That's it's awesome. It's just him. It's John Shep just going like, I wish that there was a Nicolas Cage Superman movie that I could get drunk and watch with my friends. <laughs> and he ends up be, like finding like, uh, after at the end of the movie, he's like, wait, what if this was... What if this was fucking awesome? <laughs> yeah. It's like Jodorowsky's, it's like the Jodorowsky Yeah, that reminds Doom me so much of that. I lo- I'm fascinated by documentaries about failed projects like that. Uh, Man of Love, yeah. La- Man of La Mancha or Lost in La Mancha or whatever. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That All, all yeah. that kind of stuff is fascinating is to that, me. This is that, but the, the, the cherry on top of it is he gets an interview with John Peters, who is inarguably the craziest Hollywood producer of all time. <laughs> awesome. Like not most, not the most disgusting, Wait, but gen- <laughs> absolutely the most like mentally unstable, like crazy, actual is crazy he the guy, guy from Kevin He's, Smith's famous giant spider. Okay. Yes, he sure is. And he confirms it in the <laughs> spoiler alert, I guess. He listening to him describe the spider thing, which also was try, going to be that there's a whole section where they talk about the spider being shoved into this fucking <laughs> super. <head movie. laughs> uh, it's 
So worth your time. Uh, all right. Getting into the writing, Adult Swim largely left them to their own devices, which is awesome. They would have some notes here or there. The turnaround, insanely fast. The balance was so important for Small to hit of not making fun of metal, as we said. Small's quote on that, we're not making fun of metal, but of celebrity culture. We love metal uh, and feel protective of it, as any fan should. The funny thing about celebrities is that we tend to worship people who cause bad things to happen. They can literally get away with murder. Uh, what you're trying to do when you're doing these quarter hours, this is getting into the short. All right. This, I feel like, even though Adult Swim's kind of dying, this, I feel like, is the most important piece of knowledge for the like 10 minute animated short. If you ever are trying to pitch this, this was so fascinating to me. What you're trying to do when you're doing these quarter hours, each writer has to kind of figure out how to rationalize how to tell a story in this quarter hour. And we had a lot of really cool mechanisms that can make storytelling kind of start running very quickly. We had this government tribunal. We had the media who's commenting on what Death Clock was doing constantly. So we can kind of get you up to speed pretty quickly. So what we'd find out is, uh, okay, we've got an A and a B story for the most part. And then as the story is gaining liftoff, that's where we end it. So almost at the peak pinnacle moment, either energy-wise or emotionally or comically, that's where we say goodbye. I think ending on the beginning of the story was something that we were discovering that was working for this show. So not only, obviously, you always have the news report that just immediately gives you exposition and the government agency, right? But I think the bigger thing is the idea that you end it right when it's like (laughs) hitting that Right when you normally would be like the first, you know, third of your show, right? You're ending it right on that. The show's just starting and see you later. And that's like an important way yeah. to look at at the 10 minute adult swim short. It's weirdly it's to bring up Dune again. It's the end of Dune the book. Yeah. Which I don't know. Yes. If you, I don't know if you've read when you read oh, Dune Jordan, the book. It's like- <laughs> I did an entire podcast on the entire series of Dune with one Henry Zabrowski, Rude Duners Rise Up. Uh, I have oh my done God. the full- You read all the books? Oh my God, bro. I mean, all the mainline <laughs> ones. Yes, I, right. I hope a God Emperor movie happens one day just for the sake of its existence. Uh- <laughs> but the, I think it's like- But very true like, about the ending the of first, that book. Very true about that. The first one, it's just like, and the battle, ha- and we're yeah. done. <laughs> Like and it, it like it's the that that move of like it's tenacious D's tribute. It's uh-huh. like you should have seen how sick this battle yeah. was, bro. Yes. Like oh, you would not believe it. There might have been worms. It, Imagine some it. of the Think most important things canonically in the show happen over the credits because like yes. the shit goes down. Yes. Just as the song is picking just up. Just as it's ending. And and it's Dune, so good. Dune does that to you too, that I think Metalocalypse does to you at the end of every episode, where you're like, I don't know, I'm not sure about this. And you kind of get you keep getting momentum. You're like, I think I like this, but I don't even know. And then by the very end, like, holy shit, do I love Dune <laughs> now? Like that the way that book the p- p- propels you. I mean, for the first like 200 pages, it's like aggressively almost doesn't want you to read it. Yeah. And then you just fall in love with it, and the way it ends makes you go. Fuck, I have to read this whole series now, don't I? Dude, <laughs> it's totally. Really, it's, uh, I think it's also, like, each time, I think it's one of the weirdest things that people want to keep making movies about it. Like, I, like, I thought the new, the latest, I, I, I have an affection for the David Lynch version, and I also think the new one that came out is like, I was like, yeah, it's, it's that. It's probably what a filmed Dune is. But like to me, I'm like, 
the stuff that happens on the surface level of Dune, like, is not what I like about that <laughs> book. Like, the best yes. part about the book, which is unfilmable, you cannot, yes. you will never be able to put this in a movie, is uh, where, I forget his fucking name, uh, when the guy is dying in the desert and he's just having a conversation with his imaginary father that is just yeah. like in his head and his yeah, father's Paul. like, yeah. um, he's just having like his father's disappointed that he's dying. I don't think it's Paul. It's like Lieutenant. Oh, okay. It's one of the lieutenants. Oh, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm blanking. It's played by, things, it's the guy yeah. played by Max von Sydow in the David Lynch version. I forget his, the character's right, right. name right I now. know his name, but I just want people in their cars to be screaming his name right now, so I'm just not going to say his name. Yeah, we're not going to say it. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot. Uh, it's been a lot. Because I, I want the- you, listener, in your car on your way to work right now to be literally screaming it out loud, so upset. So Dune's too do weird because bit. you have characters that are named all consonants for a long, for like, but like 24 consonants, yes. and then you have people named Paul. It's crazy. Paul. <laughs> But, and Duncan, and Idaho, Duncan. yeah, yeah. But there's this guy just t- like his dad is just disappointed that he's dying in the desert, and it's like this weird kind of beautiful reconciliation with the concept of death and trauma all there. But you can't film that; it would be so boring. <laughs> you can't do that on film. <laughs> and also, that character is not a major character. <laughs> you couldn't spend that much time on it. Um, <laughs> but regardless, that is kind of. Yeah, the magic of the of the show is um, they figured out a way to dump exposition really quickly at the at the top. And it's it's the right move because it is inherently funny to have uh-huh. like Mark Hamill mm-hmm. saying characters names in a like as if the fate of the like every episode is just like we must make sure that Pickles and <laughs> William Murderface are not allowed to reach the pen. Like he's, it's so, it's genius to just like have, to know that sometimes just paying a guy with gravitas to do an exposition dump is all you need. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. it was uh, by the end of the series, they were like outwardly just mi- like, giving uh hamill weird shit to say because they would yes. introduce some yeah uh, to, to help us understand his expert rory cornickel mickel dickelson <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <It's> so good <laughs> yeah everyone please Lend your ears to General Penny Olivardka. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, getting into the animation, Small again distancing, him- distancing himself or learning from more so home movies and it getting canceled. He was looking for the cheapest show possible to be made for Adult Swim. This was deemed to be Tom goes to the mayor, so he calls up Tim and Eric, who who, who made that, and asks them what their budget was, and they told him one hundred ten thousand, uh, one hundred ten. K an episode. Uh, this that is, is the fucked, marks, by the way. That's mm-hmm. so yeah. fucked. That's so much money for. Yeah. That's the money for Tom goes to the mayor. <laughs> that's I not know. even whenever Tim and Eric. Whenever you get into TV and film production budgets, it's like it, it's mind boggling how much back you need then, for. From back yeah. then, incredible number. I would kill, you could make a Marvel movie for a hundred and ten thousand dollars <laughs> <Yeah>. today. Imagine <laughs> that show a, sh- a show with. 
Tom Goes to the Mayor level animation is made for two, like $2,000 today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah, even totally. joking. Well, you know, if the writer's strike goes bad, it probably will be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Here's so the, thing, the small... animation guild is not <laughs> unionizing right now. So, <laughs> I know, yeah, actually, there's a lot of issues going on there as well. Small wants to hit uh, wants to hit that mark to stay alive. So then Titmouse comes into the picture as Blotcha was friends with uh, Chris Priyansky, who started Titmouse. Uh, they had just started up, hadn't done a show yet, only done commercials and weirdly enough animations for the game Guitar Hero, which probably helped their case here. And Priyansky is determined to make the show. He, it's just like this is our, the perfect flagship project for us to get us off the ground and like get a, get us a, a name for ourselves. And so they agree to the very small budget, and that's what gets them in. Titmouse, the Titmouse office was just being set up. Brendan Small and uh, Blotcha visit, decide, hey, why don't we just set up a recording booth in this office? Everything will just be done in this one space, and they get to work. The series is animated in Flash. Uh, Schnepp said about the process. I think we've got it down now where we get a script and then we round table it all uh, with all the people who've already worked on the show for the last four years, which is me and Mark Brooks, who's the other director of the show this season and Felipe Salazar, who's the main editor of this. And last season, we all sit with Brendan and just go over the entire episode, cut stuff. That's not funny. Rework and rewrite stuff. That's not on the, uh, in the tone of the show. Then we record that and rerecord it after we've got it all edited. Then we refine it again or add new scenes. So we it's a process. So the show is six people, a turnaround of about three and a half months per episode. Like they, they, uh, but it sounds like, I think there's a lot of episodes being worked on at once. Jeb said, all of the music videos, the actual visuals, I do all of those. I'm always excited for those because that's the, uh, the payoff for me. Uh, when we were talking about jumping around and stuff, when I was getting a new song that I'm going to make the visuals for, it's really exciting. The songs are always really good. Brendan is pretty incredible. It's so it's fun. So that's where I get my little kick. Like, man, I've got this fucking awesome death clock song that people are going to flip over. What am I going to do with it? And it's, you see it especially in stuff. I mean, I can't believe we haven't brought up Rockstar the Clown yet. But oh. that music video oh, is so phenomenal. <laughs> like, I think that's one of the high points of, at least like early on in the show, uh, great music video that's, for that. It is, that's the pickle Rick. Of, yeah, yeah. Of that's the pickle Rick. Everybody, for, and there were Hot Topic shirts. Every single person went around and go like, yep. I'm the rock and roll clown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone did the I voice. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. And just having all the characters hate him like completely. Yeah, it's <laughs> like so resenting good. his existence. But oh uh, yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. That like uh, David Lee Roth like kind of parody of like that era of hair metal. Yeah, it's beautiful. No more clowning around for you. It's so well done. It just enca encapsulates the absolute ridiculousness of that time in music, which for me was something I was looking at that was more like my older brother's era or mm. even before. And so con contrasting to grunge, which was like our, our you oh, know, yeah, my they childhood, essentially teen years. And just it was so silly. They just nailed every part of like what that is and why, why we why, why we saw it as what it was, but still lovingly done, you know, like, oh, yeah, in this way. 
<laughs> so, uh, so the so the realistic playing the animation side of that is really interesting. Small would film a production video of himself playing in front of a blue screen. Uh, he then took the art staff. Uh, oh, by the way, they took the art staff to a behemoth concert to uh, to examine the head banging pyro and musicianship. Which I just love that. I just want to see these nerdy like art guys just Flash standing in the animators. back. Like, you gotta understand notes. the lowest of the low here. <laughs> Here's the thing, All, uh, probably most of that audience at that time is also Flash animators. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were absolutely. just meeting Actually, other right. Flash animators at the Behemoth <laughs> concert. Everyone's just taking notes. Friendships um, were made. <laughs> uh, for the songs, he keeps them all in the same key, tunes his guitar down to to a low C, uh, and every season's music gets released as an album, which is amazing. So you have Death Clock, one, two, three, uh, four, uh, uh, whatnot. Gene Hoglin joins on drums, and uh, Small ended up uh, with a side project actually as well called Galacticon because he'd rented the studio but couldn't record Death Clock stuff due to rights negotiation stuff. So he did a different album. Uh, going back to him recording the process, he it, it's very much like um, almost like one of those like over the top guitar tutorial videos. Like he expects you to have a basic understanding of guitar playing and he doesn't consider himself the best teacher, but he is there going like, all right, then I do this, you know? And he like tries to really get across like the techniques of what's going on and does his best to communicate with the animators like exactly what how it needs to look and everything and i think they they get damn close as we've already lauded in this episode and uh speaking cool. as someone who literally has to make guitar playthrough videos for every or like when we do covers on the show yeah i have to show other people like we don't do straight covers they're they're always weird they're always a little yes. different i have to literally do it for, I have to show people who are better at playing guitar than me <laughs> how to play a song the way I'm playing it, which number one feels motherfucking insane. Mm-hmm. But number two, there's it is it is the worst part of the job. It is the worst <laughs> yeah. part is just going like you have to literally explain all of your decision making <laughs> to mm-hmm. a person and like how to how to replicate it. It's a fucking nightmare. Oh my God. And you have to not stumble. You feel embarrassed when you stumble over your words in a talking to yourself. It's crazy. It sucks. Now the I part now it's, Brendan. No, no, it's very key for this part. You got to underextend. Uh, you really got to underextend because your wrist hurts because you played too much Dark Souls the night before. Sure. So you're just going to do this, okay? Absolutely, absolutely. Just really the- keep that joint pain you also have in mind when playing this next part. Yeah, you got uh, hold- holding your cell phone, Pinky. It's hurt. It hurts today. <laughs> uh, the the backgrounds are done by Antonio Canabio. I'm sure I'm fucking that up. Uh, whom Small describes as quote an artistic lunatic. For example, Small initially wanted the band's house to be like Wayne Manor. And Kenobio was like, I don't want that to, uh, that sounds lame. And then he just came in the next day with this giant upside down Viking ship. And Small was like, I'm glad you're with us because that is a way better idea than what I had in mind. <laughs> and uh, just as always, and, and, and that shit is obviously so like good. off the chain. Like all of the looks of everything I'm is so I'm glad you could track top. down that guy because like the visual excess is such a yes. hallmark of the show's art style. And like yeah, knowing that there's like that one first weirdo episode, that pushed that. 
that first episode of season two where they like are on that giant drill machine <laughs> that's just like slaughtering throngs of people and it's just so insane looking like and there's a stage on it and multiple levels with like flamethrowers coming off it's just so out out of like any realm of what I would conjure up in my head for whatever they had in mind for that uh, it's pretty fucking amazing amazing um we mostly covered all the vo- a lot of the voice acting stuff. We talked about Mark Hamill. I'll just say small voices, Nathan uh, Swissar and uh, Pickles. Blacha voices, Murderface and Toki. Um, as we, uh, we mentioned a little bit of that before. Uh, and then Mark Hamill just does a ton of voices on the show, which is amazing. And he's just, what, what can't he do in VO? It's incredible. Uh, and small also, of course, gets his metal heroes in for cameos. Small said, but I've gotten to meet a lot of my heroes throughout the show. Bands that I really, really admire and that I'm a huge fan of, like Arch Enemy, Cannibal Corpse. We got to bring in Marty Friedman from Megadeth. We got him to do the show for a short amount of time. He's one of my guitar heroes, too. But on top of that, we have people that are not musicians that are just heroes of mine that are on the show, too, including Mark Hamill. Uh, Metallica were like the first people we got in touch with. Other people at Adult Swim ended up talking with them about doing voiceovers before I was like oh wow I would love to get in touch with them our goal is to like would it be cool to take people our musical heroes and put them on the show and just cast them as actors uh, to not cast them as themselves we don't have to have celebrities to be themselves so Metallica was the first one that came on board they were really helpful they were really awesome and they did a great job to me I was incredibly excited to meet them so that's kind of cool it's a nice thing <laughs> uh, someone's saying something nice about Metallica these days it's kinda, you know, <laughs> well, especially in this period is like it's a very it's a very low period for Metallica. Yes, they're not. They're not really doing it. Like Death Magnetic had co- or had, is about to come out or had come out, and people. It's one of the the albums that people have the least opinions on. So it's just mm, it's, yeah. they're they're not getting dunked on at this period. Just people are like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, post Napster, Metallica, it's like such a different era, you know. It's so uh, weird in, in general. The, yeah. the the I feel like a key, insane voice guest voice performance on this show is Werner Herzog. Oh yeah, yes, yes. I feel yes. like the the trajectory of Werner Herzog doing a, a VO. On Metalocalypse, what gets him into a Star Wars eventually? There, you can make a a a, a totally. yarn map to that. I think totally beautiful. Yeah, he's a, I fucking love that guy so much. We should we should consider doing him one of these days. Oh, just a random shout out to uh, Robert Trujillo Trujillo, yes, uh, Trujillo, who made a Talica parking lot with Titmouse as the animation company. It's this like violent animated short uh, that takes place at a Metallica parking lot show or parking lot uh, and death clock makes a cameo appearance. That Beautiful. Well. Rob is the man. Um, this, this is kind of my favorite part of the story is just like, I'm just such a fan now of Brendan small and like his, his journey that just the fact that he then gets to play live shows, which is all part of the plan from the beginning 
and get like paid and like not just paid. I mean, Death Clock. Uh, I saw the stat. It said the death the first Death Clock album was the highest selling metal album of all time. I mean, you're not just like becoming like a. I don't know. I don't know what what stat that's on, but um, that was in that was in the notes. Um, that's and that's technically impossible. Uh, okay, <laughs> I think because the maybe best album, selling album of the year, maybe probably. maybe death metal. Maybe death metal. Of I think old, you have to probably add. Yeah, death. Metal. I don't know if it was yeah. regular metal impossible because like the black album is technically yeah, metal, yeah. and that's like one of it's thriller black album <laughs> like. You right, know, got crazy. you, got you, got you. But yeah, it, either way, it was incredibly high selling. He Small said, well, the first thing was I wanted to make sure I wouldn't dress up like the characters and I didn't want to get lookalikes to do stuff. I think the one thing that makes this band interesting is they don't exist. I think that's the one thing that makes the band cool. I like bands to be larger in life, to be unattainable. And uh, definitely just check out our Gorillas episode because we have a little bit of crossover here. He's absolutely inspired by the Gorillas live show yep. using anime and things like that he the only difference was he wanted you to still be able to see the musicians because that musicianship was so cool but they of course they put together animations for like all of the songs uh as they play them live but you do also get to see the musicians but they are sort of less like in the forefront small said i didn't want to just show a bunch of animated clips running from song to song but to have a little bit of story with a beginning a middle and an end Mm -hmm. like a universal studios ride like the terminator 2 ride where you come in and it's like there's a breach and something terrible just happened something just stupid enough to get you in there so you could have fun and then enough of an ending so it makes sense and comedy sketches in between songs while we're switching out guitars and stuff but constantly moving the where the songs are happening fast and a good length of the show to i cannot i have to see baby clock it's gotta happen <laughs> yep i think that's the official name of the tour uh have you have you gotten to see death clock live jordan i i i hadn't i uh they did the first tour while i was uh like i i was working and going to college uh at the same time i was i i i couldn't i didn't see like many shows in like in like 2009, which sucked. Uh, <laughs> but I now know, I know the whole, like I'm every, I've worked with every member of Death Clock now. Wow. Um, like I, uh, uh, Neely Broche, the guitar, like she's one of my like closest friends now. And the be- probably the best guitar player I know. She, it's the, the entire band is so, it's fucked up how talented they are <laughs> and they all rip and the show i it's very funny that you brought up terminator 2 because that makes <laughs> so that's such an interesting uh thing to pull from and really smart because that show was was tops it was what that's one of the theme park rides that has stuck in my mind forever even though i haven't been to a lot of them and i think a key thing is um they have always, I remember the first tour of this was very smart because they they didn't tour with a Metallica initially. Like the first, they went out there with bands that were, that had made a name for themselves, but still on the, on the, on the smaller end of things that were a bit more niche, like, like a Macedon and Converge which had a lot of pull in the underground in like in, in the scene where of people who gave a shit about <laughs> metal. Um, 
it was smart. There's they he knew exactly what he was doing. The show, from what I've seen, looks incredible. I'm absolutely going to see uh, Baby Clock. Also because Baby Metal fucking rules. Yeah. <laughs> I so know. Baby, I think Baby Metal absolutely rips, dude. So I'm excited. It's it's <laughs> such a fun idea. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Love a gimmick. I'll, I don't give a <laughs> shit. I'm not above it. Uh, uh, also, another brilliant thing Small did was um, it was hit up Gibson, MXR, other effects pedal companies for endorsement deals for the show. Not only to help with the show financially, but to uh, continue to legitimize the whole thing yep. by having real branded equipment on the show, which I noticed very heavily now, knowing that fact. It's always in everything you have that amps have the brands on them and everything and um the result of that is small gets to produce official death clock guitars via gibson and epiphone which is really cool um so you've got like the thunder horse guitar the the falcon flying v uh toki's guitar uh all that stuff so that's really rad um the show first airs in August of 2006, has the highest rated premiere of an Adult Swim show at the time. Small attributes this to the metal community, like finding out about it and getting super fucking excited about it and showing up. Uh, for season three, they weirdly try a half hour episode format. However, this turned out to be a bad fit. Uh, Small said, this is where I thought this would be less work, doing <laughs> less episodes, but longer. Uh, and it was just as much, if not more difficult to do that because the show was really functioning at a quarter hour. Uh, this was also made even more challenging due to the fact that Tommy Blotch ends up stepping away from writing duties around this time. However, they did bring in folks. I'm so glad Brian Posehn got to write on the show. Yep. Uh, Janine DiTullio and Christopher Brown, just for Brian Posehn's sake, because I know he was hyped when that show came out. <laughs> I'm sure, because I just know he's uh, a, a comedy guy that's like one of the more known metalhead yep. comedy guys uh, in the alternative comedy scene. Uh, but yeah, that makes so much sense. A uh, half-hour show would be way harder to write for, even if it's even if you have double the quarter-hour shows because of their process. It's like we try to get it just onto liftoff and hit that sweet spot, and we're out. Whereas a half-an-hour show, there's a lot more development of plot. Totally, involved. I I think people were we're not condi- you you condition people to expect something. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. um, you have success with the two se- by the end of season two. Everyone I knew, like, was obsessed with that show. Um, but extending it, it, it on season three, it didn't hit for everybody. I think probably because most Adult Swim shows were under, were like 15 minutes max at this time also. All the big ones. Yep. And the only the only other one that was like 30 minutes is The Venture Brothers, which is my favorite show of all time. I mean, but it's it is phenomenal. It's phenomenal, but no one fucking watches it. Every the fan base that does is so passionate about it, and it is their favorite show. But every a lot of people at this time experiencing stuff with Adult Swim because of Aqua Teen and everything like and Tom goes. Everything is fifteen minutes, or like everyone's expecting like an internet length video mm-hmm. on television. It's taking the humor of the internet and putting it on a television. They weren't, they didn't, ain't nobody had time for that. I'd say season three did have some good episodes. I really liked the season opener renovation clock, uh, resi- death residuals. I referenced before, like oh. did some fun stuff with like uh Toki and murder faces dynamics in the group. Like I think there's it's some great good stuff there. Yeah. I, the, Quality aside, I think it's very good, but I think I remember people not didn't have the attention for it. 
Oh, uh, absolutely. The, I think they were like, oh, this this long now. It's not like the jokes aren't uh, like a, a mile a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I have to pay attention for like there's longer arcs. So mm-hmm. I think people were, and I think that that, that just kind of goes for anything. Like uh, when an artist changes the thing that they're doing, it gets a rea- it, it can get a reaction that's positive or it's negative. And yeah, unfortunately, the quality of it doesn't actually matter. It's just people. Some people are like, I hate this change. It's not what I expected. Mm. And yeah, that's unfortunately what seem to happen here it it sadly marks the beginning of the end of their right. of their run so they go back to that quarter hour format in the fourth season and after that the fate of the show is uncertain that is how we get to the rock opera the doomstar requiem as mike lazo was shuffling his feet on giving them another season but did not allow them a special and it's really unfortunate because like i like a lot of stuff i've read about mike lazo but this sounds like a kind of a shitty situation for brendan small small uh ends up uh writing 21 songs for doomstar requiem a clock opera small said i had to rest for like months after that rock opera because i wrote what 50 what 52 minutes of solid music the rule i thought for that one was everything has to be in music form and if you're talking you're basically uh you're talking rhythmically over music small also brought in composer bear mccreary and his 60 piece orchestra uh his name has shown up plenty of times before he's worked on the god of war franchise worked on game of thrones like he's a he's a heavy hitter hell yeah small shout out to bear yeah, dude, fucking. Uh, that was a more like a wildcat. Either way, Small was inspired by. Were we about to watch musicals. a seventies James Bond film? Was that a lion? <laughs> uh, Small was inspired by the musicals Jesus Christ Superstar, Lemez, and Annie. Uh, to write it and uh, Small ends the special on a cliffhanger because Adult Swim requested him not to end the whole show which he wanted to do he wanted to end it with season 4 on that rock opera and they were like no 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 leave it open leave it open and just kept like jerking him around and it's kind of unclear why then uh, you know because then it just goes away and they just don't give him that next season and that's what leads to this big attempt at a revival, which is kind of an incredible to me that it had to get, get as far as it went before they finally allowed for a final season to happen. Uh, there's a fan petition, a campaign led by Small with the backing of a bunch of metal outlets and music gear companies, a- among others, to get Adult Swim to make the show. They even get financial backing for the show. Uh, and after Adult Swim still won't make the final season with them, they try to buy... Not only will they make the final season, they, I can't believe this actually existed... Adult Swim did a live stream where they asked this fans is, I don't to get submit this a, uh, I believe it's an 100 plus word re- essay, hand faxed to this number that they set up. And then they set up a live cam of the fax machine with the fan requests going directly into a garbage can. <laughs> Yep. Small said, I actually talked to Adult Swim and said, why, what are you doing this for? You already said no to me. I know you're not going to make this show. And now you're just antagonizing all these fans. Metalocalypse fans who are Adult Swim fans were clogging up Adult Swim's social media. And they were basically saying, get off my lawn. (laughs) It was a smug, condescending fuck you to the Metalocalypse fans, which again are diehard Adult Swim fans. But they're telling them all to go fuck themselves. Weirdest move in uh, the history of a network I've ever heard. It makes sense. Like... I I have not heard great things about uh, working with Mike Lazo. Mm. You know, there's famous famously 
not great at uh, accepting show pitches from women and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. It's not great. Uh, And, you know, it's a cinch, but it also makes sense from a, like a, 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 a perspective of this is a network built on fuck you. Mm -hmm. You know, like this, this, the time slot of midnight to 3 a.m. was this, was given to them almost condescendingly. And mm-hmm. when you watch like early Aquatine and stuff, it's a such, it's a show that's made to as like anti television. It's a show mm-hmm. made of, of, of just men who are up too late going like, no one's going to see this shit. I'm going to, it's, it's, it's Deadpool. It's how Deadpool got successful by writers trying to make each other laugh by like fucking up a comic book that they thought was going to get canceled. And then it's magically the most successful thing in the world. It's a, it's a punk rock ethos that has essentially bit itself in the ass by, mm. by realizing that these fans who are writing in cause they want to see this thing that they're passionate about. They just can't help themselves but go fuck you to the fan, mm-hmm. even though that they are now they're now the ones with the power. It doesn't mm-hmm. it's they don't understand that it doesn't look punk rock or funny when they do that. It's just yeah. it's like, OK, well, now you're an asshole because you have money and you are deciding where the money goes. So people do not like that. Also, yeah, I just I realized that everything I said will prevent me from doing stuff at Adult Swim forever. But whatever. <laughs> who cares? <laughs> Well, I, maybe they'll point. love it. Maybe they'll like that. Maybe they'll think it's cool. Maybe did, it'll be a, it's a cool fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone asks, uh, Mike, that's why I did it. Mm-hmm. I'm so punk. So, <laughs> I love how punk you so are, Jordan. I, uh, for one, love uh, Adult Swim and just, you know what I mean? And that's why I'll probably never get a show on there. But uh, we're trying. Even though <laughs> I... <laughs> Also, it doesn't have cultural relevance. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, After Adult Swim invites... uh, uh, So let's get into the final film and wrap this puppy up. Uh, uh, The final film, uh, Adult Swim invites Small and Co. to play his death clock at one of their events in 2019. This is so many years have passed. They then approach him to finish the dang thing, finally. Uh, and in May of 2021, Adult Swim announced there would be a revival film to finish the series. Army of the Doomstar has been teased for late 2023, along with the release of Death Album 4. It seems very, the premise seems very similar to what he had in mind when he was trying to get Adult Swim to let him finish everything off uh, at the end of season four. So it's kind of cool. It feels like it's, kinda, it's what he'd been hoping to, to conclude the series with. It's going to be really interesting. It's definitely, um, you know, it's funny. Small talks a lot about like the evolution of the band, how they all start as these like vapid celebrities who don't care about anyone. And it's definitely that arc of uh, them caring about shit. And we're going to get that, I think, uh, in this yeah. in this final, final movie. Uh, they care about each other. Yes, exactly. So this, it's a cool time to put this episode out. 2023, you've got Death, Death Album 4, Army of the Doom Star store and uh, Baby Clock North American tour uh, that's going to start August 30th of this year. If you're listening to this in 2023, I always have to preface it with that because God knows when you're finding this show. But uh, the timing is also a little bit uh, interesting because uh, if you're a fan of animation, you'll know that uh, you know David Zaslav and HBO Max and that whole 
uh, kerfuffle means that Death Clock will be off of that platform by the end of this month, May 2023, if you're listening, when it comes out. So, like, it's just this, it is like an yeah, era, I it's a bygone forgot to put that in my notes. Thing. That's so weird. Where are you going to be able to find it? I'd, I'd maybe maybe some new platform, maybe Paramount. I, I don't know, but it's just, every, all this stuff is up in the air. It's so it's, crazy, because uh, the same thing has happened. Like, I feel like these decisions were made, because the same thing happened with the Venture Brothers. The Venture Brothers mm-hmm. gets canceled yeah. Right. When they ask for another season, they're clearly about to wrap it up. And then Adult Swim is like, actually, no. And then the fans, me included, me is like two minutes to late night, like because they canceled it in the pandemic as they were working on it. And I uh, we participated in trying to like uh, since it was kind of weirdly the height of a two minutes uh, popularity, which feels terrible (laughs) having the biggest success be in the middle of the pandemic is strange but you know pushing people to you know uh try to get it uh uncan or try to get that final season i feel like their adult swims like you know it's a lot it's like a all right fine wrap it Mm -hmm. up they finally do it for both of these shows that have their their passionate niche fan bases now which is strange because yeah, Metalocalypse has a niche fan base now, but there was that time which I it didn't happen with the Venture Brothers, but there was a time where everybody watched Metalocalypse. Everyone knows what it is. Yeah, it was it was it was a bit it was mainstream for a second. Um, but yeah, we will uh, that Venture Brothers has a wrap up movie as well, and it's yeah, who knows what's gonna happen with this stuff? Streaming is a nightmare and. Uh, <laughs> Support the writer strike because we gotta. This is bananas. hundred <laughs> percent. It's it's a shit show, and a- animation's uh, in a weird spot too. I know that uh, with rights and stuff like that, and getting paid the proper amount and all that good stuff. Um, uh, yeah, I have one quote to close it out. Mm-hmm. This has been amazing, Jordan. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, of course. Happy to happy to talk about Gibson guitars. Any, any anything and Marshall amplifier. Anything you want to say about flying V's or uh, you know, um, how cool was it when Pickles used uh, distortion pedals to operate his TV? That was neat. How great I is cocaine? It. Like, just mm-hmm. how awesome is that drug? You know what I mean? You get your fentanyl strips. One hundred percent. I've never done cocaine, so I don't know. Hey, we're in the never done cocaine club. Hey. How weird is that? In, in, in our line of work, how strange I've, is that? I, you know, I feel like I've almost done many drugs, but then I've seen someone on that drug, and I was like, that looks like a time I don't want to. have. <laughs> and then I don't do it. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I don't know. I think that. Um, I, I think that, uh, I, I think that with this show, it was an incredible phenomenon that I think is, is a little forgotten. I think it is, I think people forget how big it is. I even hear people, you know, talking about death clock and stuff and they, they can sometimes write it off as like just comedy like it's not a real band or whatever, but it, it, it like I, I I don't think it it gets the reverence or respect that it kind of deserves for essentially really be making a of of 
making aggressive music in general as on, on a whole because again when they did their first tour converges on the bill like and that's that's the gateway to hardcore like they metalocalypse is a huge piece for angry music mm -hmm. it is it's not not just metal it it create it gets be i don't think that we get the transition from metal to p to the to hardcore which is what the children are into now mm -hmm. and we there's a line through the pop to the popularity of a, a turnstile uh from the success of metalocalypse making aggressive music feel uh palatable to people who weren't initially into it people like it's and brendan talks about how the metal community embraced it but respectfully normies were also <laughs> into it they uh -huh. got they loved the, the the voices are silly the jokes are really good and it, it it made people feel maybe for the first time that like death metal wasn't totally scary and that it could be and that it's fun. Like it's all tongue in cheek. Like Cannibal Corpse thinks what yes. they are doing is funny. Yeah. Yes. And George Corp uh, George Fisher is hilarious. Off off recording, we were talking about the Black Dahlia murder. Mm -hmm. George uh in the pandemic, the Black Dahlia murder did a live stream and George did this fake ad for ham sanitizer <laughs> as a Billy Mays, and he's just rubbing fake. It's like he's on rubbing a ham. hand sanitizer onto a ham, selling it. He's so funny. Metal musicians are so funny. Yeah, Small and Blancha and actually had commented about how uh, when they finally got to meet those guys in person, how blowed away, at how nice and kind and sweet they all are, and how you know the music is is not a reflection of like them in real life in terms of you know demeanor and uh the you know it's just it was they were like so thrilled to see that they were just fine that they were just like sweethearts you know yeah um it's it's metal is uh is my favorite because it's all it, it sometimes can be like a a celebration of like actual un uncomfortability but it's mostly trying to take the piss out of it because it's yeah. like ah uh isn't it crazy that all this shit could like maybe happen to a human body <laughs> yeah let's laugh at it a little bit yeah, exactly. I, I, love, I love how theatrical and nerdy and like uh, you know over the top it is it's like what what yeah. i i love so much about it is the theatricality the like the putting on of airs and stuff like that you know as ev first evidenced i think to the wider public in Wayne's world to reference that movie again with Alice Cooper, you know, and like that scene where they like go backstage and he's this like brilliant soft-spoken savant and you know, Ugh, the best. Yeah. It's great. Um, here's my quote from small to wrap it up. I'm lucky that I got to be put in a position where I got to rediscover my guitar and make something out of it. All this music school stuff all came in handy. All this stupid stuff I did at the jingle house came in handy. All these comedy chops came in handy. And I'm lucky to be able to have this outlet to express myself. And I just think it's so cool that he was able to wrap in this passion that was going to probably never take him anywhere. Uh, and, and now he's like selling out giant theaters playing metal. I just think that's so cool and so ingenious. Um, all right. That's great. That's our episode. Thank you so much for joining us uh, for the 
uh, Metaloxalypse episode. I wanted to say Death Clock because, yeah, we're still confused by it. <laughs> um, uh, if you want to support us for... Actually, before we get into our plugs, Jordan, what do you got for us? Follow Two Minutes Late Night. We're putting out a lot of uh, of like fun covers still, and we're, we're preparing uh, like a couple fun live things later in the year, which will be cool. Um, I'm also producing uh, a bunch of new shows for... Oh, cool. Cracked.com, hey. if you remember that. Cracked is they're, back, baby. They're, do, they're doing a rebrand. I'm making, cool. uh, like, I, either now or in, like, a week or two, we got a brand new show uh, where um, different filmmakers and writers and comedians are going to be curating the selection for a actual video rental store that we're building. Ha! <laughs> Amazing. That's amazing. We just so we not too long ago we did an episode on Blockbuster. Um, so we've definitely covered how how thrilling that actually is that you're doing that. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Uh, So yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of we're gonna we're trying to make it like a show that's good for the actual uh like ecosystem of filmmaking to try to get people back into theaters, back into physical media because look what's we just talked about. Yeah with max or whatever it's crazy um and yeah so it's it's going to be a, a a team of folks going around to different secondhand stores or places that still sell like vhs's or dvds and whatnot and they're just tr- making selections and talking about why they would be why it's important for a specific film to be preserved in like a rental store. So it's kind of got like a time capsule element to it, but also everyone on the show is funny. Our first episode has like Jonah Ray, Hell yeah. uh, director from The Daily Show. It's going to be great. Hell yeah. That sounds awesome. Uh, what's the name of that or, or, or anything? Any, uh, yeah. uh, it's going to be called Staff Picks. Hell hey. yeah. Love it. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, Where's the Bruiser? If you want to support us further, uh, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew weekly bonus episodes for just $5 a month. And at $15 a month, you can join us for our Sunday study session. This last Sunday, we may have ripped some some J's and watched some Metalocalypse. It was fantastic. Um, oh, ripping J's. <laughs> ripping J's with my boys at the corner. Smoking reefer. Smoking legal medical marijuana <laughs> in at Los Angeles. Uh, and <laughs> what else? Twitch.tv forward slash Holdenator's Uh Five days a week, I'm streaming Monday through Friday. Uh, all different types of things. But check us out. Twitch.tv forward slash Holdenator's Ho. Jake. Uh, follow me on Twitter. Well, you still can at Best Jake Young. Instagram at Best Jake Young. And uh, Thursday nights, that's when I do the cartoon dumpster stream over at uh, youtube.com slash puppet Jared. Also, twitch.tv slash puppet Jared. We watch weird old bad cartoons from the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, and today. And we just uh, just, just lose our fucking minds because there is some, some just batshit insane stuff that made its way to children's television over the years. But yeah, check that out. And always remember, what were you going to say, Jordan? Oh, I was going to say, also, uh, the house band of Two Minutes to Late Night, Mutoid Man, yes. is, has put out a new record, oh, has announced yeah. a new record at this point. Me and Drew, the co-creator of Two Minutes to Late Night, we did the video. It's fucking crazy. I, I can't express, by the way, I don't think I've given enough to this. Two Minutes to Late Night is like incredible, and everyone needs to go check it out. Oh, thank it's you. really, really genuinely phenomenal, and I'm always impressed every time I see a new collab, and the people you get, obviously, you've, members of Death Clock, 
the it's so many great people that you get to do those it's like kind of mind-blowing the people you've gotten to work with through this project thank you yeah yeah it's awesome um our but yeah our main three boys uh ben jeff and steve uh the band that's you the backbone of the music part of the show they are they're called mutoid man they got a new album coming out soon uh it fucking rules the song rules and we really went all in on this video idea um they it's essentially them as an animatronic band that short circuits and morphs they morph into a literal mutoid man (laughs) very tetsuo the iron man love it evil dead it's very sam raimi it's uh it's it's a lot of fun and i don't know if you listen to this episode you're probably going to like that song <laughs> and you're going to probably like the way the video looks. Hell yeah. uh, I'm very proud of it. Um, my my team did an incredible job. Shout out to Drew Kaufman for ex- for helping me execute all these ideas. And like, it's unbelievable. Shout out to Rob Menzer, who like was at Revolver magazine for forever. He did an incredible job shooting it, did an incredible job editing it. Out of folks, you got to check it out. That's awesome, man. Um, oh yeah, and that's—I guess that's it. Hey, and never stop bruising. Uh, hey, keep on whizzing. Thanks again, Jordan. I love to bruise and whiz. Thanks for having us. <laughs> this show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Sometimes your cat can be a mystery, like when they get so attached to certain cardboard boxes. (laughs) But when you use Fresh Step Cat Litter, there's no question that you're making your cat happy. Thanks to amazing odor control, Fresh Step Clumping Cat Litters prevent stinky crumbles and make scooping easy by locking in liquid and odor immediately. That means you can keep your house clean and your bond strong. There's no mystery here. Find Fresh Step Cat Litter at a store near you. Fresh Step is a registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company. Certain trademarks used under license from the Procter & Gamble Company or its affiliates. Hey, it's me, your barista. So you know how you come in almost every day for our cold foam coffee? Yeah, well, I might be putting myself out of a job by telling you this, but now there's an easy way to foam at home with new International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. With three new foaming flavors, French vanilla, sweet and creamy, and caramel macchiato, who could blame you if you stopped coming in altogether? Yeah, it's that foaming delicious. You're welcome. New International Delight Cold Foam Creamer, now in stores. It's foaming delicious. 